Listen, today I'm talking about core values. One of our core values at New Life Church is being kingdom-minded. Kingdom-minded. And I, I got to pick which core value I wanted to teach on. And so I went back and forth and kind of rested on this one, on, on being kingdom-minded. And then I was like, what does that mean? And here's the thing. Every, um, every preacher has a different process for how they prepare a message. And if you want to know, mine and Pastor Jeremy's are probably as about as opposite as they get. Which really, that's about how we do everything in life is pretty much as opposite as it gets, which is probably why the Lord has put us as a partnership to do a lot of things, right? But I could know for a month what I'm supposed to teach on. And it's like the Lord dries up any thought I could have. And I sit down time and time again. Even this week, I would sit down time and time again. And I would get so desperate for a thought that I'm like Googling verses on the kingdom of God. What does the internet tell me? (laughs) Right? Help me find an idea. Nothing. 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 And then I couldn't find something yesterday. Y'all ever lose things? My mom, she'll probably watch this later, so forgive me. Um, My mom one time was talking to me on the phone. And I could hear her, like, rustling around. I was like, what are, you, what are you looking for? She's like, I'm trying to find my phone. I'm like, um, Mom, we're talking on it. So it's, I think it's in your hand. She was like, oh, my gosh. Right? <laughs> I mean, we lose things all the time, right? And we search for them. And, I mean, and if you're a mom, and especially a mom of boys, you know that um, I don't know how men have ever discovered a country because they can never seem to find anything. That's why they accidentally discovered countries and not the one they were originally looking for um, because they can't find anything. See, it's the truth. It is just known, right? We spend a lot of our time looking for things that we should know right where they are, right? In fact, um, the, the world is full of people who are searching for all kinds of things. There are people still searching for buried treasures and lost kingdoms and sunken ships. People spend millions of dollars a year trying to find ships that might have gold coins on them. Just might, maybe. We spend a lot of time looking for lost things. People spend a lot of time looking for everything from a buried treasure to their phone to their identity. We're looking for it constantly under every rock. We're looking and looking and looking. But nine times out of ten, lo and behold, it's right in your hand. Right? There are people who spend millions of dollars looking for buried treasure, and then you watch Antiques Roadshow and some woman's cleaning out an attic and she finds a painting and takes it, and it's like a lost painting of Vermeer worth a million dollars. She wasn't even looking for it. She was just cleaning out her attic. Meanwhile, this guy over here spent a million dollars to dive underwater and find nothing but some sea turtles, right? We spend a lot of time looking, and oftentimes what we really are looking for is right under our nose. It's in our pocket. It's right there with us. It's right there where if we would actually just open up our eyes, there it would be. But when you really need to find something, one of the first things you do, and I remember my mom saying this, and I say it to my children, even though we swear as kids we won't say things to our kids that our parents said to us. 
But how many times have we said, I need to trace my steps? Well, trace your steps. Where were you at the last time you remember having it? Right? We need to trace our steps. And the kingdom of God, being kingdom-minded, it's one of these words that we hear all the time in Christian faith, this word kingdom. What does it mean? Where do I find it? Is there a treasure map? Can I follow some clues? We talk about it. It seems elusive and ideal. What actually is it? What are we looking for? When the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom. Okay. Where do I go? Where do I start? Where do I look? What am I seeking for when I'm seeking the kingdom of God? So today I want us to trace our steps and get back to the very beginning. And together today I want us to figure it out, what we're looking for when we are seeking the kingdom of God. So starting with step one, seeking the kingdom of God today. The first thing we have to do is seek the king, because for there to be a kingdom, there has to be a king, right? It's not called Boston. There's not a boss. It's called kingdom, because there's a king. There's a king. And he's not some figurehead that we take pictures of. He is a king ruling on a throne. First Timothy chapter 6, part of verse 15, it says, God, the blessed and only ruler, the king of kings and lord of lords, the only ruler. He is the king of kings. When we are seeking a kingdom, we are seeking a king, and he is the only king. There is no other one. There is no Lord. There is no other ruler. There is only one God, and he is king of the kingdom. It all starts with the king, King Jesus. You know, Jesus confirmed that he was the king. He's asked outright by Pilate, by Pilate are you the king? And he says, yes. You know, Jesus really didn't give people the option of saying, and I think it's C.S. Lewis that says this, he didn't give you the option of thinking he was just a good teacher. You either believe he was God or you believe he was crazy. So people who try to diminish Jesus into just another teacher or a good writer or a good leader, you don't get that option. He said outright, I am king. I am who they say I am. So this whole thing of seeking the kingdom of God starts with seeking a king and knowing that he is king. If you remove the search for God and seeking after God, if you remove Jesus from the equation, you will never find the kingdom of God. You will be wandering around for a lifetime searching for something that you will never find until you first acknowledge that Jesus is king. He is who he says he is. There is no other ruler. There is no other God but him. He is the Lord of lords. It's not some worship song. It's not some Christianese. It's something we have to get back to the beginning of. He really is king, and he really better be our king. It's basic. So the next step then is, well, we know who the king is. 
Now, how do we find his kingdom? In John chapter 18, verse 36, Jesus says, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Clue number one. It's not here. It's somewhere else. So let's start with the people. Step number two in finding the kingdom of God is finding the people of God. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. This is our glare youth verse. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and to his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The kingdom of God starts also with the people of God. We were once scattered and in darkness, but now we are in the light and we are found and we have received mercy. We are not scattered anymore. We have a king. And it unites us. We are God's people. You were chosen by God, a royal priesthood. You know, some interesting facts about adoption and so forth. You can write off a child you have naturally. But do you know that if you adopt a child, you cannot disown them? Because adoption is a very powerful choice. You really, really have to choose it. And so I want you to begin to realize that God chose you. He chose you. You. Yeah, even you. Even some other people that you might be thinking of wondering. Yeah, he chose them too. The hard-headed ones. The tough ones. The difficult-to-love ones. He chose all of them. They are his people. See, when God decided to make a kingdom, he chose to make a kingdom of misfits and rebels and He demonstrated that for us when he chose his 12 disciples, a mixture of all different kinds of people to represent the fact that the kingdom of God is made up of chosen people, not perfect people. The kingdom of God is made up by a people who are made royal by the fact that they were chosen by a king, not because of who they were born to or what they are made up of. They're just simply chosen. And man, that is powerful, to be chosen by a king. So as we are finding the kingdom, we must start with finding the king, and then we must look around and see, well, if there is a king and there are people, then we must be getting close to finding the kingdom. There is a king and there are people, so how do we keep finding the kingdom? Well, let's look at the plan, clue number three, step number three, the plan. Jesus said to pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember, Jesus said that his kingdom was in another place. And so we have to bring it here. We have to bring the kingdom. It doesn't exist. I can't walk out this door and find it. It's not in any church building. It's not anywhere that I can see. I have to bring the kingdom from heaven down to earth. It's not here. Jesus tells us my kingdom is in another place. 
And then he says that we should pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there is a king, and then there are we, his people, and there is a plan to get the kingdom of God from heaven down to earth. So then where does it go once we get it here? Where does it go? When Jesus was around, they wanted him desperately to build a temple and set up a throne. They wanted a kingdom here. They wanted a physical king on this earth who would declare to the world around that he was the top dog and they were the top people. They wanted that sense of protection and ownership and superiority right here on earth. And time and time again, Jesus said, no, that's not how we're doing things. They wanted to see a physical kingdom. And time and time again, Jesus said, no. We can't build anything big enough to contain the kingdom of God. There is no structure big enough to hold the kingdom of God. There is no physical person who can embody the full weight of the kingship of God. It cannot be held in a person. So how do we get the kingdom of heaven to earth if Jesus says you can't build it? You can't build a place for me. I'm not coming to sit on a physical throne right now. That's not the plan. No, you've got to bring the kingdom. You've got to take my kingdom and you've got to bring it here. So where does it go if we can't put it in a temple? How frustrating this must have been for the people there in Jesus' time who just saw over and over again that if you had the king and you were on the king's side, life was good. That if your guy was the king, your life was good. How frustrating it must have been for them to have seen Jesus and to believe he is the king. And he frustrates them over and over by not bringing in his power and might and sweeping out the other kings and setting up authority and declaring, this is our place. How frustrating must that have been? How confusing for him to say, no, you haven't found it yet. You see, I'm the king. You're my people. But my kingdom's up there. And we got to bring it here. And it's not in a physical place. So where does it go? Luke 17, verses 20 and 21. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Or as some translations say, the kingdom of God is within you. It's in your midst. We're looking a lot for a lost set of keys that are right in our hand. We're looking for valuable treasure at the bottom of oceans and buried deep in the desert. And it's, it's right here. It's right here. We, his people, are his kingdom. It's really, it's really brilliant, right? Because, see, if you build a building and you declare that this is the kingdom, then the kingdom can only exist in that building. 
But if you say, I take my kingdom and I place it in each of my people, and then my people extend as far as the east is from the west and the north is from the south, and my people, they are all over the world, then that the kingdom of God is no longer in a big and elaborate building, but yet it is the most massive dwelling place of any kingdom that exists in the world. So therefore, the kingdom of heaven, being in our midst, being inside you and me, means I am a dwelling place of God. I am a dwelling place of the king of the most high. The kingdom of God lives in me. It's not out in some place. It's not found in some building. It's not found in some country or political structure. It is found within the royal priesthood, the chosen people. A holy nation. It's found right inside you and me. So when Jesus decided that there needed to be his kingdom in heaven brought down to earth, that kingdom could not be contained in one physical location. So instead, Jesus came and he died and he was buried and he rose again and he tore the veil that separated God from his people. And he imparted himself to us that anyone who would believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ would be saved. That they would be sealed by the Holy Spirit and that the Lord would dwell inside of them. And thus began the spreading and the creation of the largest dwelling place of any kingdom the face of the world had ever seen. Because now the kingdom of God exists in every corner of the world. It is the most massive structure ever to exist. It is the kingdom of God contained within the people of God, given a job to spread and build the kingdom of heaven here on earth. The kingdom of God is in your midst. I remember growing up, people used to say, um, you know, your body is a temple. A lot of times they said that to discourage me from getting tattoos. But It didn't work, (laughs) right? They used to say that your body is a temple. It was like a a slightly manipulative way to get us to make good decisions. (laughs) But really, there's actually so much deeper value in that, right? It's because inside of my tattooed, flawed, mistake-ridden body, the king chose to set up residence here. That he looked at my foolish, mistake-filled self and still chose me. That he looked out and he saw the lost and the broken and the far from him. And he said, I think my kingdom would look good there. That he looked in every corner of the world and he said, there's a good spot for my kingdom to be built. And so I will send my presence to live inside of them. And my kingdom from heaven will come to earth in my people. The kingdom of God is in our midst. It's in you. So what do we do with it? (laughs) You know, when you've been looking for something for such a long time, and then you finally find it, what do you do with it? (laughs) You know, I always wonder, like, when people spend millions of dollars to find some lost treasure, right? Well, you can't spend that gold coin. What do they do with it? They set it in a museum, and they charge money to go look at it. They find this valuable treasure, and then we just look at it, right? 
So what do you do when you realize that the kingdom of God lives inside of you? Do you hide yourself off and preserve yourself? Do you keep yourself hidden away because I'm the kingdom of God? Nothing can come to me. Do I hide myself away? Or do I realize that my job is to build the kingdom? The kingdom is in me and my job is to spread the kingdom. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, it says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, a disciple of Christ is a follower of Christ. So a disciple of Christ is a person who is a part of the kingdom of God. So if we want the world to recognize the kingdom of God in us, then we must show them the kingdom of God, which is to show them the love and goodness of a God that chose us despite our failures. We have to love one another. I found this sweatshirt and I bought it that says, love is never the wrong answer. I may also need to get that tattooed somewhere where I can visibly see it. <laughs> it's never the wrong answer. It's not. You know, Jesus showed love to people right up in the very moments where he was in the most excruciating pain. He showed love to the people who were inflicting pain upon him. And we sometimes have a hard time showing love to people who inconvenience us. If the kingdom of God lives here, then I must show and be a reflection of the kingdom of God around me. So I'm looking for the kingdom, and it's right here in my hands. So I better start using what's been put inside of me. This is a fun message, right? It's like, be nice. Nobody ever gets excited and cheers when somebody preaches about be nice people. I was um, reading this week um, for Black History Month. I wanted to be intentional about reading some um, African-American theologians from our country who helped further the faith of Christ, the faith community, belief in Christ. And I came across a pastor by the name of Charles Octavius Booth who um, had been born into slavery, but he, um, he came to know Christ and he set it out as his mission to make the knowledge of Christ something that was available to all people. And he wrote a book called Plain Theology for Plain People as a way to make understanding the kingdom of God something that was available even to people who did not have a lot of education given to them. And I came across this quote, and I felt like this is what really the message for today was. What a power the believers in Christ will be in this world where such multitudes are hateful and hating one another, when they all come to abound in deep, pure, fervent love to God and to their neighbors, how they will be stimulated to labor and give and pray for the gathering of every creature in the world into the fold of Christ when they love God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit with all their heart, soul, and might, and mind, and strength and really and truly love their neighbor as themselves. An increase of such love will be accompanied by a vast increase of missionary zeal and enterprise. And not long would it be before there will be great voices in heaven saying, 
the kingdoms of this world have come and become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Being kingdom-minded at New Life Church, we say, is about acknowledging that God's ways are higher than the ways of the world, that his thoughts are higher and better than ours. And it's about finding ways to express God's ways in every area of our life. But, you know, there's a, a real part of this quote that says that when an increase of love will be accompanied by a vast increase in missionary zeal. We say over and over again that studies tell us that the church is decreasing in size, that the number of new believers every year is is decreasing. Well, I think it's probably because the people of God aren't doing a very good job of building the kingdom. We've built quite a few walls trying to set up this process and structure for our kingdom. We've built some really fantastic buildings to house God in. And in the process, we've forgotten that the kingdom of God lives here. And if where the kingdom of God lives is not attractive to this outside world by showing love, then no one's going to be drawn to live in it. So why maybe this is just for us, and I know it's harsh, and I'm preaching to myself as much as anyone else, but maybe the reason the kingdom of God is not growing on the earth as fast as it should be right now is because the, where the kingdom of God lives inside each and every one of us, we're not doing a real good job of showing that to the world. We can't even love each other, let alone loving somebody who doesn't know God. It is time to move past everything else and get back to what we're called to do. I am a member of the kingdom of God. He chose me from my nothingness, from my nakedness, from my brokenness and my dirtiness. And he reached out and he looked at me and he said, the kingdom of God would look good there. And so in my mistakes and failures and misguided thoughts, in my opinions that differ from your opinions, You who may think polar opposite of me. Me who may have cast my vote completely opposite from the way you cast your vote. God looked at both of us and he said, the kingdom of God would look good there. And so, if we really want to be kingdom minded, if we really want to see the kingdom of God come from heaven down to earth, then we have to let the kingdom of God show from within us. Love is never the wrong answer. It's sometimes the hardest, but it's never the wrong one. This world has seen a church divided for too long. Why would I want to be a part of anything that unhappy and that critical and that angry? When will the kingdom of God come? The Pharisee asked. When will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus responded, It won't come like that. You won't say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst, it's within you. You are a temple, beautiful, messy you, rough around the edges you flawed, broken, imperfect you. You are where the kingdom of God lives. 
So today we just need to take a minute and retrace our steps because we need to find that treasure that's lost. We need to trace our steps and find the kingdom of God inside each and every one of us. So let's start here for a minute. I want you just to close your eyes with me if you can. God, we trace our steps today. I want the kingdom of God to not just live in me. I want it to shine out of me. I want to open my eyes and my ears and my mouth, and I want the light of the good kingdom of God to show out of it. So today I trace my steps, steps one. I acknowledge, God, that you are king, that Jesus is king, that you, there is no ruler but you. God, I declare step one, you are my king. Step two, God, I know that I am your person. You have chosen me. I am chosen. I am a part of a royal priesthood and a holy nation. I acknowledge, God, that step two in finding your kingdom is finding and knowing that I am your person and we are your people. Step three, I pray that your kingdom would come. I pray that your kingdom would come. And step four, I pray that it would come to be in me, that your kingdom would come to be in us. God, I trace my steps to find what has been lost, and maybe I didn't even know it was missing, but I find it today. Is there any greater joy than finding something you didn't even know was lost and celebrating how awesome it is to find it? Today, whether you knew it was lost or not, right now, God, we say you are our king and we are your people. Let your kingdom come from heaven here to earth and let it be in us, complete in you and in us. May your kingdom come and may it be right here in me. And step five, may the love that we show others the joy of being yours help build your kingdom. God, there are a lot of people, Christians included, who are searching for what's lost. They're searching for their hearts, their place, their hope, and it is all right here in your kingdom. Let the voices in heaven begin this year to sing. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and shall he reign forever and ever. Amen. Listen, today, being kingdom-minded is a core value at New Life Church. I feel like that the structure of our core values at New Life Church are structured around values that are not just as a corporate body, but they were as individuals. They bring value to our lives. And so I challenge us this year after a time and season that has been full of so much divisiveness in our world and even in this global body of the church, that this year we make being kingdom-minded a focus, that we look for and we find the kingdom of God, and we start by finding it right here in each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. God bless you, New Life Church. Pastor James, go come and close us out today. Pastor James, I threw that out there. It's because he's wearing a nice shirt and khakis today. That's what it is.